You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Everyone good? Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason Chris and Jason. It's not a joke. It's not. <laughs> it's not me saying that twice. Uh, me, Chris Fortner, and Jason Baker um, is joining us. Yep. And um, we've been trying to do this for a while, but I think the last time was my fault, wasn't it? No. The, yeah. Yeah. It was. I think it was. I think there was an illness in the family one time. My family? No, mine. Oh, well. Karina my, was sick. Karina, oh yeah, Karina was. Oh yeah, Karina was sick, and then, then we didn't record last week. Why didn't we record yes. last week? That was you. That was definitely me. Yeah. You had, yeah you double booked yourself. Did I? That sounds. You see the birthday right. party to go to or something? Oh yeah, yeah. We went a, a birthday party at the bowling alley, kids' birthday, and course said you know that starts at 4 30 right and i was like no i did not so uh we usually record this at 3 30 the battery went down to one we might have to change that out Mm -hmm. in between episodes here so we're doing a mega podcast uh episode so from last week and then this past sunday um and so this this um Part of the podcast will be from May. <laughs> what what date was that? May. Hold on, May fourteenth. Yeah. May fourteenth. Um, on First Samuel seventeen. Oh yeah, it was Mother's Day. Yep. And we went and taught David Goliath and Goliath, which I did not plan. I don't think anyone. I don't want anyone to say like, is Jason trying to ruin Mother's Day? I did not plan. To, to be in David and Goliath. Um, but I did think it was a little funny that we were there on Mother's Day. So um, let's get started. Uh, just so the people know, uh, Jason Baker was not planned to be a part of the two weeks ago. Right. So he's just kind of shadow this podcast, this part of the podcast, first half. We might ask him some questions he doesn't know the answer to <laughs> include him and by all means chime in if you're like one i've got something to say or two i say something that's not even remotely biblical uh be like hey man that's not in the bible um so i don't even know why we kicked off with this question do you i don't should we well i know we'll the do. outro question is going to be pretty rough it's... let me let me re- let me scroll down Oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right. So let's do the intro. And maybe it was just because there was a cookout um, this past Sunday. I think that was, maybe that was it. But it's a food question. And none of this has to do with First Samuel. I was just trying to get some things going. Uh, Chris and Baker, I would love your input here. This is very important for everyone to know. Uh, what's one kind of food that you would refuse to eat if you were starving? Have three. Oh boy! 
apparently there's probably more but this is the only three i could think of yeah when i, when I wrote yeah. answered this i think my kids would say every meal <laughs> they're just everything that you've ever everything made. they've ever had they had pizza twice yesterday and they both all of them were like why are we eating pizza again <laughs> and i'm like what is wrong with you all you know how many i mean i, I would be pumped to eat pizza for more than one meal mm-hmm. as a kid um but here nor there, yeah. Chris. You must give us your three. All right, sardines. Okay. Liver. Okay. And broccoli. Really, I need all of those right now. No. Oh man. Never no. ever. No. Would I ever? No. You don't like sardines? <laughs> no. My dad made used to make me eat them when we'd go hunting. So I hate those things. <laughs> like, listen, son, you're gonna kill something out here. You're gonna eat sardines the rest of your life. We never killed anything. We just sat out there and froze to death in the dark. And ate Maybe that was that's a good through. that's a good father son like character building trip. Yeah. Like I bet I bet he had no intentions of really hunting at all. It was just to build character. Like, hey, let's. Let's take him out in the woods and make him eat sardines. <laughs> was it now? Was it sardines with like oil or mustard? I think it was or... just out of the can. Well, yeah, they, it was so like they oil, mixed I think them. it had oil. Okay. Like, there wasn't yeah. flavored. The mustard ones are good. Sardines with mustard? No. All right. Yeah. Um, and you don't know, like chicken livers? KFC's mm-hmm. got it on the sign every time <laughs> you drive by. Uh, no. Which is also a little funny to me. I, I mean, obviously, there's a few people. That like chicken livers, but is there that many people to put it on your sign? Where everyone's like, we gotta go to KFC. The chicken livers are on their sign. Um, what was your last one? Broccoli. No, oh, I like broccoli. I, That's not that. I could do broccoli. Yeah. The liver is the filter of your body, so all yeah. the gross stuff goes through it. And yeah, I but I like that. I like clams and any you know all the filter of I the ocean. Eat clams. So. All right, so what's your one thing off the top of your head? Oh, man. Sardines. <laughs> yeah, sardines. <laughs> um, sauerkraut. Wow. I like sauerkraut. Mm. Peas. I've always hated peas. Really? Yeah. And everything he said. So. <laughs> yeah, y'all must not be starving. Uh, man, sauerkraut is awesome. No. I love it. Um, mine's blue cheese. <laughs> Oh my yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't eat blue cheese. Well, I love blue cheese. I just bought some today. <laughs> That's funny because I just bought broccoli yesterday from Walmart. <laughs> I can't do it. I mean, uh, yeah. Everyone that knows that I don't like cheese. Do you like cheese? I do, but I can't. I'm getting where I can't eat it. So okay. Well, yeah. good because it's gross. And uh, every meal, I'll eat. I mean, mozzarella. Pizza, that's, that's mozzarella. Cheese blue cheeses. I mean, it's like the cheese people got together and were like, how can we make this worse? <laughs> and, yeah, it's so nasty. It looks bad. All right, let's do First Samuel 17. We tackled the whole chapter. Yeah. Um, didn't see too many reasons to break. I mean, I'm sure we could break that down. I'm sure someone has. We just decided to ta- tackle the whole chapter. Chris, first question to you. Where does the battle take place? Uh, let's see. The battle between David and Goliath took place in the valley of um, El- Elah, which is located about 15 miles west of uh, Bethlehem and 20 miles east of the Mediterranean Sea. 
the valley was uh, an important travel route from the coastal cities up to the center uh, of the land of uh, Judah and its main cities of uh, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, and Hebron. The exact location of the battle is somewhere in the valley uh, between the two facing ridges, which are booked in between uh, the Judean cities of uh, Soka and um, Azika. Is this what you were worried about? Yes, all those names? Those that two you, cities right there. You had yeah. forgot you put all these names down. Because I looked them up that Wednesday. On chat GPT. I know, I looked up how to pronounce them. <laughs> <laughs> And then I've forgotten since. Yeah, then. I do that a lot on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. I'm over in the church office, googling how to pronounce something, and that I know it's coming up. Um, that's good. I did have a. I do remember. I did have a map to show for that, and then I had it saved, ready to go, and then I didn't put it on my slides. And then mm-hmm. I was, at that point, it was just like, forget it. I'm not gonna go back and put it in there. Um, so. Yeah, that was a fun story. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's good. That's uh, good. Uh, first one up for you, Jason. Why is David sent to the battlefield? There was a lot that I... Looking back on 17, there was a lot of dialogue and narrative happening that I did not go through, um, specifically between David and his brothers. So we'll talk a little bit about some of that. But this is in verses 17 and 18. It says, And Jesse said to David his son... Take for your brothers an ephah, which is uh, of this parched grain, and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cheeses to the... That's gross, man. I bet it's not blue cheese. Um, To the commander of their thousand, and see if uh, your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. So obviously David sent to the battlefield to bring some supplies, but I think in many ways the supplies are just an excuse to say, hey, how's your brothers doing? Bring back a token that they're okay. Um, so David is sent to the battlefield. Here's a, there's a lot going on that I, I wish we had time to talk about on that Sunday, but why is David's oldest brother upset about him wanting to fight Goliath? Um, Elab is what I'm going to call him. <laughs> Elab is annoyed with David, and I think he's questioning his motives. Yeah. Um, he asks him, why are you here? And then he asks him, who's watching the sheep? Um, I think Elab seems to think David is arrogant or, or being disrespectful. Yeah, I think in many ways, the, the pattern that you see throughout First and Second Samuel is about David's heart. And that's what his brother is accusing him of. Yeah. Is, is your heart, you have the right motivation to be out here. Um and then, of course, it's David, you know, like, it's a normal thing if your little brother showed up, and you're like, what are you doing here, man? And you're going to fight him? Like, we're not going to, you're going to say you're going to fight him? Is a normal, like, older brother thing to say. So, the thematic question from two Sundays ago is, why isn't it our battle? Um, we had three points, if I remember. Um, three in the summer. Yeah, three in the summer. So, the first point was... Because it's the Lord's army. So, Jason, why is Goliath mocking David? Uh, He mentions this in verses 41 through 43. Uh, uh, This is, Goliath looked and saw David, disdained him, for he was but a youth, 
ready and handsome in appearance. Um, and then he says to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Which is, the dialogue in chapter 17 is just so good. Um, I think in, in, in very simple terms, he's just mocking David for his age and appearance. Um, yeah. And maybe even his height. Um, but uh, yeah, it's certainly his age and appearance. Which, do I bring up how tall Goliath is? I believe so. If I didn't, I, I know I mentioned it on that Sunday. I had a whole case of why I thought David was a certain height. And I was like, that's just going to derail the sermon too much. So, But anyways, all right, so talking about um, the Lord's army, what does the Lord of hosts mean? Uh, Lord of hosts is a name of God used frequently in the Old Testament. Um, it expresses God's great power and leadership over all creation. Um, they'll pass. Thanks. Uh, hold on, Jason Baker. Do you think that one? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that's an approval. He <laughs> <laughs> got it. It's good. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Man, this one battery bar is making me nervous. So we'll keep an eye on it. Hmm. I'm moving on. Jason, why is it important to know that we never go to battle alone? So I'm reading through the Bible on my own, which is a good thing I should do. I know. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's like, good wow. job. <laughs> so Joshua 5. Uh, this is uh, verse 13. I read through this and I thought, no, we're going to apply this to this uh, answer. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes, looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his uh, drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have uh, now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him. Uh, what does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. The Lord of hosts... Um, I think could mean many things. It certainly could mean the actual host of Israel, which the Lord is over. Um, it certainly could mean the host of angels and heavenly beings. Um, and in the case of Joshua, I think the army of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, is leaning more towards um, not just angels, but God himself. Uh, so it could be and likely is that God in the flesh is appearing before Joshua uh, in, in battle. So it's it, at the very least, it's important to know that the same God, that same God, the Lord of hosts, um, is with us as we go through battles in this life. So he knows, he cares, he's with us, um, was kind of the driving point of point one that... Um, yeah, it's his army. It's not you. Mm-hmm. If it's your army, you're not going to do so well in battle. So, uh, two, because it's the Lord's enemy. So, uh, first question of part two, uh, Jason, how are we God's enemy before salvation in Christ? Oh, man. Apparently, I didn't answer that. Um, but the answer is. Simply not that we are um, 
not that the, not that we have issues before the Lord, not that we're a mess before the Lord, not that we're just merely fractured before the Lord. It's we were dead in our sins, mm-hmm. and the Bible calls us enemies of God and sons of disobedience. Um, so obviously two separate references of Scripture. Um, but that's who we are before we, we come to Christ. And I think that's, or even enemies of the cross of Christ, another um, scripture that comes to mind. So that's important for us to know, because um, I think in many ways we think that of other people. You know, everyone else is an enemy of, of the Lord, and we've, we're Christians, so we're good. And I'm like, yeah, but the Bible actually says that you were in that same identity and position before mm-hmm. Christ uh, came into your life. You were an enemy of God, um, which will set us up for the other questions and answers, which is why are we called to love our enemy? Uh, I have uh, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. Uh, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, uh, pray for those who abuse you. Uh, this is God's command, I would say. Um, God loved us first, and as you just said, while we were still God's enemies, he loved us, and he d- demonstrated this through his love uh, through Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah it's, it's everyone's favorite thing to do, is to yeah. love our enemy. <laughs> we talked about this a lot, and it'll, it'll, actually it'll come up uh, at, later when we do this past week's podcast but um you know we we always view like we love our enemy by telling them the truth (laughs) even though they don't like it and there is i mean that's that is is true true. it is true absolutely but um the bible is also clear loving your enemy is like you know be kind to those that hate you um you know feed and uh, feed and clothe those that are against you that persecute you um, again, all, all of that is a very much a paraphrase, <laughs> paraphrase, but you know, it's the, that's the gist. It's not just an idea. It's, it's genuinely loving people that, that are against you. Yeah. Um, so that's why the next question's coming yeah, up. Here's a good one. Uh, Jason, should we ever use physical force against a physical enemy? Why or why not? So I brought this up because I knew, I, and, I, and I, on, on that Sunday, I did mention, like, if you want to fight something, we do, then fight your own flesh. But is there ever a time and place where we do physically fight and stand up against a physical enemy? Um, and I think we can clearly say, no, it's not the same as David, but when would that time be? I'm going to read what I read when we went through the Romans series. Okay. Romans 13, starting in verse 3. For rulers are not a terror for, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. 
Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. That is um, a passage about submitting to authority, submitting in many ways to the governing authority. Um, so I would say this. We use physical force to protect those that cannot protect themselves. Physical force should always be used to protect, not avenge. Mm. Um, which is where I was going to go in that um, David and Goliath passage before I changed my mind. But uh, that being said, so that's, that's, that's why anyone would use physical force today, is protection, not vengeance. That being said, it's the government, in Romans 13, it's the government or ruling authorities' primary responsibility to bear the sword. They use physical force to defend the defenseless. At least they should. That's not... I'm not going to go on a tangent there, but that's the the intended um, purpose. So, um, in David's situation, I think he fell into that realm. Um, He would bear the sword as the ruler to protect Israel. Uh, what does that mean for us today? All right, so to answer your question, what does that mean for you and I that no one in this room is um, has any, we're not in government, we're not, no one's doing police work. So what does that mean for us today? Uh, the first one is we trust the government to bear the sword and defend. I think that that's a right thing to, to believe. We're believing Romans 13. It's the government, the police, it's their responsibility to bear the sword, to use physical force to defend. Um, second thing that we can do is we pray and love the enemy, as we've already talked about. Third one is where I'm going, could get the most questions. The third one is we defend when the government can't or fails to defend what we rule over. Does that make, I mean, does that make sense? Like. You, I, I had a long, a long conversation with a friend about this after I preached it, and I think he made a lot of sense about that of, well, we're also called biblically to rule over things, rule over even our own family. I mean, if you're married or your own kids, if someone comes into your house to do harm to your family, um, you're not physically attacking or physically um, getting involved out of vengeance, that's out of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, even proactive defense doesn't mean that they got to shoot first or swing first, but it's proactive defense. And knowing the full well, like, the police aren't going to show up in time. Those that bear the sword on a government level are not going to show up in time. And I step into that role to do that. That's a very touchy subject, but I think those are within the realm of why we would use physical force against a physical enemy. It's not vengeance, it's defense. Um, And hopefully, that's why we wouldn't be involved in any physical conflict on a global scale. And I'm not saying we always have been, or even are right now, but the physical force should be defense of something the defenseless not all right well let me not get political so that's where i'm at with that 
All right, what does it mean to fight the flesh? That um, I referenced earlier. To fight the flesh, it describes the struggle against our sinful nature. Uh, it means losing our lives to find it in Jesus uh, Christ and putting that sinful nature to death daily. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Does that mean you don't own, again, own any guns, Chris? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking. All right, let's go around the table. Who who has the most guns in this room? I think we know the answer. I lost all mine in a fishing boating accident. Did you really? Yeah, all my guns lost them. What? Are you? You're just messing with me. <laughs> you loser. <laughs> I was like, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) All right, three. Because it's the Lord's victory. This is the most obvious one here. Uh, Let's see. Uh, For you, Jason, how does God conquer every enemy? Just going to give some scripture here. In Hebrews 2, verse 14, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He conquers every enemy because he conquers um, Satan and the devil. He conquers all those that were enslaved uh, to evil and death. Um, and he does that through Christ um, dying and coming back from the dead. So. There's a lot to say on that, but that's the simple answer. So in what ways, um, just trying to be practical here, in what ways can we give credit to the Lord for the good things that happen uh, in our life? Like like all glory to God when we win the Super Bowl, even if we divorced our wife. And take a knee. And yeah, just try to take a knee. Did you say take a knee? Just take a knee on the field. Oh, boy. Oh, you're talking about. You said football. Oh, you're you're talking about Tebow. Not, I was thinking Kaepernick. Uh, <laughs> I was like, how political is this gonna get? Um, let's see. Do you like Tim Tebow? I didn't care for him in college, but yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. After do you like Tim Tebow, Baker? He's all right. He's all right. I do. I. Yeah. He's one of those like if he was my preacher, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm all right. But yeah, I just like. He's been consistent. He's a nice guy. And I don't think anyone gave him a chance. And I'm like, what am I gonna like? I gotta well, be. I gotta be because a, of any of his I, beliefs. No. It was because he played for Florida. No, yeah. yeah. Like Forget the Gators. Let me clarify that. It's not like any of us are gonna fight him. We'll be like, we're your friend, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Tebow. We know you buy those shirts at Baby Gap. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, sorry. <laughs> question was uh, best ways to give credit to the Lord for the good things that happen in our life I said I think the best way would be to live our lives for the Lord uh, by consciously choosing God's will over our own um, in the same way by focusing on eternal things rather than uh, the things of this earth Um, another way participating in worship uh, giving thanks to the Lord Uh, another way is in our prayer life uh, and just constantly focus on focusing um, on God and thanking Him. Hmm. That's good. I like it. I like it. Um, so you think it's wrong for athletes to say, "All glory to God"? 
No, no. Okay. Yeah, I just remember when they would say that and everyone everyone was all about it. And then they're like, well, they're just not being sincere. And then they say, all glory to Jesus. And they're like, he's a real Christian. He used Jesus. And I'm like, I don't know, man. But. I don't think it's up to, uh, I mean, we don't, we don't know people's hearts. Yeah. Just glimpses of something on television we don't know. Yeah. You're trying to tell me in a nice way to quit judging people? No, I'm just making a point. <laughs> I think that's exactly what you're saying. And I think you'd be right. <laughs> hey, let's let's skip some of the summary questions. Okay. Personally, I don't like them too much. Um, but the summary point was every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Christ is Lord. Um, the reality is, is that Jesus will take down not just... God didn't just take down Goliath. He's going to take down every enemy. Yeah. Was the point of that. And one day, everyone's going to know that. Um, so, <laughs> that last question is tough. You didn't like it? Before the yeah. conclusion? Yeah. I was looking at it. I was curious. I was... Well, let's ask it. All right. We have one. We'll do one of the summary questions just to see. see. Well, let's see if anyone else has a better answer. <laughs> If everyone will one day bow and confess Christ as Lord, does that mean every everyone will one day be a Christian? That's tough. I, I mean, know. the answer is no. Yeah. But what does that look like? A bunch of people that confess, bow, either forced or. I think I got. I got an answer. I got an answer. Yeah, okay. I'm, Confessing that Christ is Lord does not mean you're confessing your sins yeah. and that you, I mean, I feel like that's part of that process. Mm. And at that point, it's, I mean, you're sitting at the judgment seat, it's too late anyways. But, yeah. You know, you can acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, but I think a lot of people say that, but they don't ever repent and, you know, actually carry through with the life of a believer. Yeah. Because I think that confession will be twofold. So you'll have those that will bow and confess Christ as Lord over everything and their own life. And you'll have those that bow and confess Christ as Lord over everything. But he was never Lord over their life. It's the same view of like the demons certainly recognize Jesus's lordship over everything but they weren't going to submit to him as as king and ruler and lord over their life in a transformative way they just knew he had the power to do what he wanted so i think that's there's probably twofold bowing and confessing there um which has serious implications even today um so you calling non-Christians demons? Um, well, <laughs> what would the Bible call them? <laughs> so, uh, all right, yeah. The conclusion, <laughs> concluding question was about sports, but now it's irrelevant in some way. So I said, pick an NBA team to win the championship. There was the Lakers, Heat, Celtics, and Nuggets. The Lakers. You can't pick the Lakers because they are done. And the Heat and Celtics are in a 3-1 series. So, um, But anyways, so between 
the I'm gonna go out. Let me just go there. I'll. I don't. Mine. The Celtics are not gonna come back and beat the Heat. This never happened never in happened NBA, history. NBA history, and they just don't have it in them. And I'll I'll go on record to saying that. So between the Heat and the Nuggets, who's gonna win? Well, I'd, my answer. I'm gonna answer the original question, and I said not the Celtics or the Lakers. I don't okay. care. But who do you think's not gonna the win? Celtics or the All Lakers? All right, between Heat care. and Nuggets, pick a team. I you don't gotta, care. You gotta pick one. Oh my goodness. The Nuggets. Okay. I don't watch sports. And then you just have to pick one. There's only two options. You're going to be 50-50. I'll go with the Globetrotters. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> They'll beat either one of them. <laughs> I think my kids would pick the Nuggets because they think it sounds like chicken nuggets. <laughs> so, but I'm going Heat Heat in Game 7. Count it. Put it on the record here. All right, let's pause this podcast and go get some fresh batteries. And then we'll come back for round two. And Jason Baker will be uh, far more included than he was. <laughs> All right, we're good. Check, check. We're good. You all ready? Yep. All right, here we are again. This is round two. Um, I mean, no one's going to know there was a long break after I'm done, but we did put some fresh batteries in this thing, so we're good to go for another two hours. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, we have, this is the behind the message for this past weekend. We've already gone through 1 Samuel 17, and then uh, and this one will go through 1 Samuel 18, 1 through uh, 16. So, to kick us off, we have a new, since it is a new uh, week, we have a new intro. So, another intro. It's like we doubled up, so we have two intros. This, has, this is far more serious than... The food question from <laughs> earlier. Nothing to do with food. <laughs> I know. Um, so, question for everyone here. Why should someone serve at East River Park? What's th- Why should you get involved at East River Park? Who wants to go first? New guy? Jason Baker, <laughs> you go first. Because if your answer is good, then Chris can I. Can I just say, yeah, we agree. We'll move on. Um, I think... It's part of our calling as a Christian, whatever church that we are in, um, to be active and contributing to the body, to the mission of the church, which is to make disciples. So, um, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do, and it's what we should want to do as believers to have that drive and that desire to see uh, the the members of our church to grow in depth in their knowledge of Christ and and just to up, uplift each other, be part of each other's lives. And, you know, I think that's what Christ has called us to do. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Chris? Uh, the only thing I would add, I would say that it's an act of worship to serve. We see giving as an <laughs> act of worship. Well, you know what I like about that? That was like such an intentional move, like well, because obviously the church was broke, and we're like, how do we, how do we fix this? Some of that fixing was changing how we talk about giving, which does include serving, because mm-hmm. I think people and people were serving in the same way they were giving, they were doing it to either meet a budget or just to fill in an empty spot. It was like just to keep things going. So we intentionally changed, we see giving as an act of worship. And people joke, 
I mean, they'll bring that up to me all the time because they've memorized it too. And I'm yeah. like, good, <laughs> good. You know something's been working if mm. people, yeah. It's like our MAGA, you know? Make America Great Again. It's, uh, we need a t-shirt. We see giving as an act of worship. I don't know. <laughs> Tried to derail this podcast real quick. Already. Already. Would that be so Murpa? Did, mur- <laughs> <laughs> it wins. It got it. <laughs> oh, man. I like it. I'd wear it. I'd wear it. What do you have? Is that it? Sorry. Uh, you started and no. I totally interrupted Yeah, you. you're fine. Uh, chance to meet new people. Okay. And... Uh, you go to this church, so when you help, you're investing in the future of this church that it continues to to go on. Yeah, that's good. Um, I'm going to read some scripture. It's First Peter 4, verse 10. It says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God uh, may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, The reality is is we've each been given a gift uh, by God to serve. So the opposite of that is like, why? I mean, you've been given a gift from God and you're not going to use it is pretty insane. Um, the other one is we must be good stewards of what God has given us that's not just money that also includes if you've been given a gift and you're like well um, I'm just gonna sit on that gift or as scripture would say bury it um, like that's not being a good steward of of what God has given us. And then lastly, we serve to glorify Christ. So if you're not serving, you're missing out on the reason you've been given a gift to glorify Christ. Can you glorify Christ in lots of different things? Of course, but serving is a part of that. So if you're not serving, and that looks very different for very, you know, for various different reasons for mm-hmm. in the church, but if you're not doing that, um, you're missing out on the opportunity and the calling to glorify Christ. So, uh, yeah, get involved in the local church. Um, so, all right, that wasn't as fun as the food question. <laughs> no, I'm maybe it was more helpful. First uh, Samuel 18. It's a new chapter, yep. starting in verse one all the way to verse 16. The question is, who will really Love me. Chris is laughing because I had I had a completely, you, you don't know this, I had a completely set, different set of points. And I won't share all of them in case I do end up using them later <laughs> at a different part of this study. But it was about the cycle of success. So I was going to track the cycle of, of success from Saul and David. And um, I, th- I could have pulled it off, Chris. I didn't say you could. I was conflicted. So here's why I was conflicted. I had one friend that was like, that looks great. I'm going to use that. You know, another study. All of that was great. And then a few other people were like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, uh-oh. I just text you all so you can just tell me I'm fine. Don't give me <laughs> real feedback. No, I'm joking. <laughs> 
Because I told, I think I told you. Well, I had a question about it, but you ain't. I mean, what was your question? Um, about one of your points, what, how it? Oh, you didn't like point the three. Three, yeah. yeah. I was like, how the, does this? Yeah. yeah. And that was what I told Chris. It's not that I couldn't have made it work, but if I have to over-explain myself to make my subpoints work, it may just not be the best outline. Doesn't mean I, I guarantee we could have went through it. People could have been encouraged by it or challenged. We, I mean, I was, but I thought the love thing worked because you saw both realities in the text. If you look through, you can see a lot of, even in um, this Sunday sermon, you can see a lot of like success. It's all about success, but then you also see a lot of love. Um, that word love popping up uh, yeah. in the passage. So. We went with, who will really love me? Two points. Um, some people will love you unconditionally. So first question to you, Chris. Was the friendship of David and Jonathan unique? Yes. Oh, how was it? <laughs> how was that unique? <laughs> Thank you. Um, let's see. The, they were both uh, from different backgrounds and positions. Uh, Jonathan was the son of the king, where David was the son of a sheep farmer. Um, as you mentioned in the sermon, they're not that close in age. It was almost like a father-son uh, Yeah, relationship. not every commentary said that. Some were very much like they were similar in age, both oh. young guys similar in age. But I thought that what I read seemed far more convincing that there yeah. was an age gap there. Um, I know I'm skipping ahead here, but they're... Friendship doesn't stop after chapter 18. It continues to go. Yep. Uh, Jonathan protects David from his own father when he tries to kill David. And uh, David eventually uh, looks after Jonathan's children after Jonathan dies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, th- this was just a setup yeah. for uh, more narrative to come in their friendship. So. Question to you, Baker. What does it mean that the soul of Jonathan was knit to David? Um, I put it was a brotherhood of a spiritual nature, um, not a physical or sexual origins. Yeah, which we'll talk about. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but Jonathan loved David as himself. Uh, he's, and I think it's because he saw God's working in David's life and. You know, it's kind of like their spirits aligned because he saw God accomplishing these things through him. He was seeking the same thing, and so they came alongside each other. Um, And so I think, you know, like I said, it's misunderstood a lot of times of how this was, but I believe it was truly a brotherhood that God had formed between those two. Yeah. Yeah, in many ways we don't see a lot anymore yeah i put proverbs eighteen twenty four. man of many companions may come to ruin but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother yeah and that's the kind of relationship that they had but what it meant for them to be knitted together yeah that's good that's good that would have been a good cross reference on sunday morning there's so many people that ask me like or they bring up cross reference cross references on Sunday. They're like, Did you think about this passage? And I'm like, No. <laughs> but that would have been good to use. 
I'm like, yeah, that's a great. But I think that's that's a good joy of just teaching through the Bible. If it brings up scripture, that's effective. That's a good thing to have. But yeah, that would have been good to add on Sunday. <laughs> so, all right, Jason, for you, uh, what kind of covenant did Jonathan make? As we're talking about, it, it is a covenant of friendship. So he gave him his robe, his armor, his sword, his bow. Um, we know that the Lord has already anointed David as king over Israel. And nothing was going to stop that uh, from becoming a reality. Uh, But what we see in that covenant is Jonathan shows his support in that transition. Like as the Jonathan as the rightful heir to that throne in a worldly sense, being family, he, he recognizes David as the next king, which could have caused all kinds of problems. But um, it's a smooth transition, at least between the son yeah. and and David, because it's a co- it's a covenant of love, friendship, and loyalty, which we will continue to see as their friendship plays out um, in First Samuel. So, I'm going to ask this question to you, Chris, but yeah. I want to I want to set it up here. Um, so I brought up on Sunday. That the relationship between David and Jonathan was not a homosexual relationship. And I brought that up for two main reasons. Uh, the first reason is that that is referenced in maybe some liberal commentaries. I mean, it's not, it's not out of the question that some people come to that conclusion. But I, address it, I addressed it more because that is... The lens, through the 2023 lens or the lens of today, that's how we would view that relationship in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, <laughs> Corey read the my manuscript ahead of time. She said, "You're really going to bring up homosexuality on Sunday?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely." And I so if to bring some more into this, I had uh, I taught this in student ministry. Not this message, but that through those verses, that narrative. And I went into the pastor's office um, and I asked him this question. I said, do you think this sounds um, like a homosexual relationship? And he was like, what? I was like, look, I'm not saying it is. I'm like, don't. Don't think I'm saying that. Don't kick me out. Don't kick me out of the the office or the church or fire me. I'm just saying, do you think that, like, do you think people would see that? And he was like, what are you talking about? Like, absolutely not. And I think that's the problem. Because maybe the older generations would be like, why would you even bring that up? I wasn't thinking about that at all. Like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but everyone else is. And like, that's awesome if you're not, that's not your lens. But the lens that I'm going to go through with teenagers is they're seeing that kind of friendship as that must be a gay relationship because of how close they are. Um, so we have to address uh, that. And I th- so the question for you is why does our culture tend to sexualize every relationship? Because I think that's what's happening. It's not just, oh, is that gay? Does that look gay? I don't think that's a helpful thing. That, I don't think that's a helpful question. It's it's more so like every relationship in our culture that's close must be sexualized in our culture. Why is that, Chris? Well, you said during your sermon, you just kind of said it just now, that our culture is over-sexualized. 
And just to expand on that, I think everything uh, now seems to stem from your sexual identity. Um, it's no longer your bi- biological sex that matters. Um, and it seems just to be an agenda that's being pushed everywhere anymore. I mean, books, movies, television, etc. Yeah, I am. Um, well, I'll mention them. Um, Kyler, he was in my uh, youth group. And, uh, hold on, Corey, stay with me. Okay. Um, Kyler was in my youth group, uh, when he was in high school and I was a youth pastor. And then, um, now he's a youth pastor and we've been FaceTiming like once a month, just talking about ministry and different things. But he brought up to me the last, maybe it was last week when we talked. Um, he said when he was in high school, he felt like he was always defending this point of like if people are born gay or not, or and there's nothing they can do about it, so it's their identity. He said, but now, um, and I, I would agree with him. That's, I feel like that's what we're seeing. It's not what how you were born it's it's almost it's a your gender and your sexuality is a blank slate and it's your job to figure out what that is what your gender is and what your sexuality is by exploring whatever you want and our culture just needs to rally around that exploration and he said that statistically now 40% of teenagers identify in the LGBT movement like 40% is a wild statistic that I don't see decreasing. So um, that that's why we should be thinking about these things when we teach the Bible. Um, because that's how people are viewing that. Mm. Um, and I, I'm making the case too of like, look, you can be really close with, like a, a guy can be really close with another guy. And it not be a homosexual relationship. It can be. It cannot be sexual, um, and maybe even I'm I'm a guy and a girl. Although they should be incredibly careful. Yeah. And I know there's boundaries, and I know the dip. Like if one's married, or just I know there's a lot of variables. But a guy and a girl can have a close relationship. Maybe not like Jonathan and David, but it not be sexual. Um, so not every relationship needs to be sexualized. But that's what we're seeing in our culture. And I think that is what um, some people would even put on this relationship between David and Jonathan. And I would just say, you can have real meaningful friendships and that'd be, that'd be okay. And our culture is telling you, no, that there's, there must be something else going on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, no, there's not. You don't have to think like that. The same way with gender too, I would say, a girl can be very much into boy things, and she doesn't have to wonder, is she a boy, okay. and vice versa. But that's what our culture is doing with everything. So that's why I brought it up, not just because it was like some weird opportunity to like bring up LGBT stuff, like I love doing it or something. Like I just love talking about these things. It's just it something we're wrestling with, so we should talk about it. So... Anyways, there's my soapbox. Well, next question for you, so get back on it. Um, <laughs> how can you share truths with someone that you unconditionally love? 
Let's go to scripture. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So when we're sharing truth, it's just not like you're just talking. I think you're, I'm having a mind like you're sharing some a truth to someone that you really unconditionally love because they're not living out that truth. Um, so according to scripture, I'd say first we make sure it's our job um, before we confront um, that we look at the Bible and say, are we spiritual? Am I walking in the spirit? Is my heart right? And then we have um, a spirit of gentleness. Um, and I, I'd say to that question, and I'm really wrestling with that, because I say the truth is not subject to the individual. Meaning sharing truth with someone might mean that they believe it's not true for them. That's what makes it difficult. Yeah. So this is incredibly difficult to do. So I'd say that's why we walk in the spirit and walk in gentleness. Um, but I, I would say that, like, that's not just because you unconditionally love someone doesn't mean you can, you just have to affirm every thing that they say is true in their life. That's insane yeah. on any level, but that's where our culture is, yeah. is going. Like even as a parent, like if my kids, like it is, I believe it's good and true for me to play in traffic. And I would be like, well, let's not. It's not me. Like, my truth overrides their truth because that's the true thing, if that makes sense. <laughs> so it doesn't mean I love them less. Right. Um, so I just, yeah. Um, or simple, like, I know track, that's, that's an overused example, but my kids are, they're like, we want to, not eat our lunch and eat candy right after. I'm like, well, that's a good, true thing in their mind, but it's not what needs to happen. So it doesn't mean I don't love them when I tell them, no, you have to eat your lunch. Um, so <laughs> that's our culture. It's, it's a tricky thing. Um, but for you, Jason Baker, how can we become this is the one I really think we struggle with a lot how can we become close friends with another follower of Christ you should serve at ERB serve that's a big you know I, I think it's going back to culture I think this is like something that goes against the way especially I think for men um, you know we have to get involved in each other's lives I think that starts in the church with service, worshiping together, you know, getting to know each other. And um, I even put another shameless plug. One of our five values is biblical mentoring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as our website defines it, relational discipleship in family ministry, men's, women's ministry, and small groups. You know, we've got to get into those smaller groups um, be willing to learn from each other, to be held accountable, to hold others accountable. Um, you know, once again, I think it's just the way, the biblical model for how church is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we don't need to just come in, sit down Sunday morning and leave. You know, we've got to take those opportunities to get to know each other. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people, yeah. you know, just 
even if you start with one person or two people um, and and let it grow from there if that makes sense yeah so. yeah there's we give a dumb example and then a serious example the dumb example I thinking through that question you know it's like let's say you go to the coffee company and you go by yourself every week and you're like I love it here um, I love the coffee I love the atmosphere and you sit there by yourself and drink that cup of coffee every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and you might get a lot out of that. But at some point, we're making the case of like, what's well, better to drink coffee with someone else? Like, it's better to sit around and fellowship in that environment and be close with someone. And I think some people would say, well, yeah, I wish someone would come invite me to their table when I'm sitting there by myself. Or I wish someone would call me during the week and say, I want to sit with you and drink that coffee. And we're saying, that might happen. Praise the Lord if that happens. But it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and you want to sit there and drink coffee by yourself the rest of your life till you die? By all means. And and if you're a believer, the Lord will welcome you home. And I'll be like, I wish you were hanging out with someone else. <laughs> but um, that's not the design. The design is you to do that, to do that with someone else. Um, and it, it more times than not takes effort on your part. So it's be a, you know, you want a friend, be a friend. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same. I'm, I made the point. I know it's kind of dumb on Sunday, but it's like, was Jonathan just going to wait till David moves in? And you're like, all right, we'll hang out now. You know, we don't <laughs> have a choice. Um, it's be proactive in that. Um, so on the other side of that, the not so fun side I saw today there's I mean this is a pastor in a church he wasn't a lead pastor but um, I won't even reference area or what kind of church or anything but uh, committed suicide and you like I saw that and I asked a friend who went there worked there um, who used to work there and didn't ask questions but and then I saw that they had the church had publicly posted that he had committed suicide, so it wasn't like a secret thing like it is sometimes. But it made me think, I'm like, how... I I went to this guy's Facebook page, and I'm like, he's married, you know? Like, he looks like he's got himself together. His posts are fine. He loves Jesus. Like, he's very active in the church. Like, what? Like, how many other guys are where he's at right now? And they're not going to say anything. That's what shook me um and knowing that there's could be guys in our church or in our community and you think they're everything's good and it's not and that's why you know that's the importance of not to be dumb here but that's the importance of not drinking coffee by yourself like like go have that fellowship um and not just a friendship but a deep enough friendship that you could tell someone I feel like killing myself sometimes like that to be so close that you could say that to someone um, and get the help that you need. So anyways, all right. Um, a question I think we should answer for you is Chris, should we be close friends with people that aren't Christians? That's a tough one. I, we can be friends with non-believers and you can use your friendship to share the gospel, but I think we have to be cautious. 
um, we should constantly be evaluating the friendship to guarantee that hopefully we are affecting them more than they are affecting us. Yeah. Um, meaning to verify that we're not falling back into sinful habits. Um, but yeah, I mean, you may be close friends, but I still think, um, I still think the friendship will look different. It should look different and will look different. Um, is that if you were someone close to someone who is in Christ, those two relationships are going to look different. Yeah. But I, I, I think it's okay. But like I said, you just need to keep check on it. <laughs> Let me run this by you just to see if it tracks. Um, cause I heard this yesterday. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said, but people will use that excuse of like, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. And I'm like, yeah, but was he They weren't best? in his inner circle, was though. He, yeah, I mean, was he best friends? And the thing I heard yesterday is people use that all the time. They're like, well, I'm just going to hang out in the bar and do all this. Like, do whatever I want, whenever I want. And the point was made. It was like, no, Jesus hangs out with someone like you. So selfishly, we think, well, we're Jesus of this story, and I can hang out with anyone I want to because that's what Jesus did. And... Again, we're just making, we're selfishly making us the hero of that story. Yeah. Or you could say, you know what? The point of that is to remind us, I'm like, Jesus would eat a meal with someone like you. You're that a person, not you go hang out with someone else right. like that all the time. It's Jesus actually came to sit down and hang out with you. Now, of course, there's a lot of people who be like, well, what about evangelism? I get that. That's a separate right. conversation. I'm just saying. Um, no, you can be, I would say you have to have serious lines drawn in the sand that you're like, I'm not going to go past, we're not, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I think it's okay. Yeah, that's good. All right, so second point, uh, not so fun, is some people will love you conditionally for you. Yep. Uh, Baker, what does conditional love look like today? You said something in the sermon Something to the effect of like at the center or behind conditional love is a narcissist. So I think, you know, clearly conditional love is the person is in a relationship for what they can get out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not out of love or concern for the other person. Um, I put some good church examples for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I won't give any money to this church until I get rid of that guy. Um, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Um, Until they fix the sign. <laughs> yeah. uh, you so, know, basically, I'll love you as long as I benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard this in churches a lot. I'm not going to help that person until they can help themselves. Yeah. And I almost feel like that's kind of. That can be dangerous too. Kind of, yeah, and and it's kind of an, it's a stretch for what we're talking about, but I almost feel like that's still a self gratifying thing for somebody to to say and put a stipulation on. Um, you know, I think breaking fellowship with other believers over non absolutes, uh, doctrinal wise, um, and just. You know, I guess in a nutshell, you know, what am I going to be able to get out of this? So I don't know if those are, I kind of went off a little bit on some of that, but I still feel like that's kind of a mindset of, of a lot of believers in church 
because it goes back to a pride thing maybe yeah so yeah yeah we'll, we'll flesh that out here in a minute too but I, yeah um well i think no i should just go ahead and say it now i think we all struggle with this yeah i don't think i maybe i didn't I didn't communicate that enough on Sunday. I did communicate that as much as I try to unconditionally love people, I'm not perfect in that and fail. But I think we all need to be honest enough to say we all love people, some people in our life, in a conditional way. Mm-hmm. And it's something we all have to be aware of and work, and work through. Um, so that's tough. That's tough. Um, you're up next, Jason Payne. How can we stop loving people conditionally? Don't love them at all. <laughs> <laughs> just stop. Oh just stop loving them. You know, um, it makes everything. Uh, if you're just bitter all the time, um, you don't have to worry about this. Mm-hmm. So let me be. I'll share my answer and then just. Maybe add a little more to it. But the simple one is check your motivations for every relationship in your life. Yeah. Um, when we talk about loving people unconditionally, it doesn't mean that you're going to love every person that's ever existed unconditionally in the same way that God loves people. Right. Um, it's You're going to be closer to others um, than you know another group or... Um, like I, I love people in this church more than I love the people down the street in the other church. It's not because I don't love them. I just don't know them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's the, the relationships in your life right now. It's checking the motivations of why those relationships exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think of a few things, maybe a few helpful questions. Do you, do you want to reach out and hang out with them? Because you just want to be with them. Is that, uh, that's a good motivation kind of question. Do you, do you just want to be with them because of who they are? Or because you feel like you have to be with them? Um, I'll give some practical ways to keep ourselves in check with this. Two questions um, you should ask yourself. Two questions that I ask myself. Uh, do you only reach out to someone when you need something from them? That's a question I've had to ask since I've been here. Um, now, I'm not, I don't want to be legalistic about this because some people, you're like, I'm not going to be close with everyone. And sometimes um, people are, are experts or professionals in their field and you reach out to them because you know they're good at what they do. Right. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But if you find yourself constantly reaching out to someone that you say, I really love them, I'm really close with them, and you're only reaching out to them when you need something from them, that's a concern. Um, And so the other question is, do you only talk about yourself when you spend time with someone? Mm -hmm. That's another way that you're just conditionally loving them. Like, um, we all struggle with this, and I struggle with this. Like, I had coffee with a pastor in the area Monday, and... I, uh, and just confession, I mean, I love the guy, I think he's great, I think he's doing a great job, um, but 
in that conversation am I thinking, well, how does, how is this impacting me? What am I going to say? What do I have to share about our church? And it's just a really poor way to have a friendship and a relationship and to show unconditional love to someone where I'm making this relationship about me. And I don't want that. So honestly, we are, we're all been, we've all been there. We all struggle with that. Um, it's stopping in that conversation to just ask more questions about the other person and to sit and listen to their answers. Um, just practical ways to stop loving people conditionally. We're all going to struggle with that. Um, it's not even really the whole point of this message, but mm. just trying to think through some of those things. So the summary point is God loves you at your worst. And I read a lot of more than just Romans 5.8, but that's referenced in there. So God loves you at your worst. So Chris, how is God's love different than others? Um, big one, that while we were still his enemy, uh, God stepped out of heaven and became like us and died for us. Um, I think you put it you put it very well in your sermon. You said uh, God's love transforms us and saves us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was the last second edition, but I did think through some of that. Like, well, how is it different? Um, there's no one in my life that loves me like that. You know? Yeah. Because they don't have the power to love me like that. Um, so that's good. So with that being said, Jason Baker, mm-hmm. how does God's love impact how we love others? Um, I think it goes back to what you were talking about. We often put ourselves in Jesus's shoes, sitting with the sinners. And, you know, if we keep the perspective that we need to, that we were that sinner, we still sin. Um, that it, it keeps us in perspective with loving others. John thirteen thirty four, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And I mean, if we really stop and take the time to think about God's love for us, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, you know. Then he, the same way, you're like, can you just put kind of? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he died for us. No greater love is a brother than, yeah. the, you know, lay his life down for another. I mean, that's, that's really the level that we're called to love one another. And, you know, we can't even like other people a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's just, you know, keeping God's grace and mercy and his love for us as individuals in mind, what he has done for us, um, to to, to hold on to that to keep us humble, it's going to drive us more to love others the way he loves us. That's good. We made it. Boom. The mega podcast is done, but we do have one final question. (laughs) This is a question we... So here's the thing. A question we've asked quite a bit, but a question I think we should continue to ask over time because it changes. So this is still open for everyone, but because people haven't heard from you. Okay. Jason Baker, what book or books or podcast or podcasts... (laughs) <laughs> multiple <laughs> do you recommend 
I don't actually regularly listen to podcasts except for this one. So I'll recommend yeah. this one. I think this is. I like it. This um, is good. I think you should be on this more often. <laughs> then, um, you'll yeah. stop li- then you'll stop listening. To it. <laughs> I bet Karina will stop listening. To uh, yeah, I'll get the feedback when I get home tonight. Um, no um, books. One book that I've just really loved. Uh, Karina and I read through it together. And just making the connections of the men that are in the book is 12 Ordinary Men by John MacArthur. Yep. It goes through the, the 12 <laughs> disciples. And I thought it was really cool. There was so much detail and, you know, just looking at how really flawed these men were and how they were used mm-hmm. by God. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite books. But Connor what approves. Yeah. <laughs> that's my son's favorite preacher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, what is the gospel by Greg Gilbert? Um, just thinking of like basics for people to read for spiritual life, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life by Donald Whitney. Uh, Karina and I are reading heaven by Randy Alcorn together. I, at this point I cannot quite recommend that book. It's like 600 <laughs> pages and we're not even a third of the way through. And there's like, he uses so many illustrations, and last night we were like, there were two of them. I'm like, what does this even have to do with what he's talking about? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if, if I would recommend that. We're, that's what we're in now, and we're like, we're never going to get through this book. But, um, <laughs> definitely the other three I would, I would highly recommend, especially The Twelve Ordinary Men. That's just a good book. That's good. I've got uh, only one book I'm putzing through is... Uh, why I Trust the Bible with uh, Bill Mounts or William Mounts. He, uh, he wrote all the Greek curriculum stuff I did. Mm-hmm. But it's a very, so far it, he writes, why we, basically why we should trust the Bible at a very basic level. Like anyone should pick mm-hmm. it up, even though he's way smarter um, than what maybe the book shows. He intentionally is writing this where... Someone like me could understand it. It's really good. Um, I share podcasts a lot, so let me give my updated list here. It's brief. Um, maybe only two. Um, the problem with pod- sharing podcasts is like, I don't know, people are like, well, I don't like that guy because of this and this. And mm-hmm. I would just say, I don't care. <laughs> you know, At this point, I don't care. I mean, everyone's getting canceled these days, so... Uh, let me say the Russell Moore show has been really good. I really like uh, people. Russell Moore got in trouble because he left the Southern Baptist Convention, and then he stood yeah. up for Beth Moore when John MacArthur was bullying her. Yeah. I said it into the mic, and um, and again, I don't agree with everything from Russell Moore, but he was there at at Boyce when I was there and yeah. a lot of respect for him. I remember meeting him. Yep. His podcast has been really good. Uh, two ones, uh, Dimension, he interviews uh, Rain Wilson, <laughs> which is very interesting. Wow. Dwight Schrute. Yeah. Um, and That's interesting. And the, the, the title is Rain Wilson Tells Me Where I'm Wrong on Spirituality. So he does these things where we'll bring guests in and he can't the point is to ask the guest questions and listen and not spend the entire podcast trying to defend himself, which I think is very refreshing. Um, it's like, I just want just listen. And he does ask very clarifying questions and does state what he believes, but it's not like 
it's not a 45 minute argument. Um, the other one, he re- he had a real brief one on his friendship with Tim Keller, who recently died, I thought was great. I love Tim Keller. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care how they think he interacted with the Presbyterians and the PCA. Um, I, I, again, I don't agree with everything he ever said, but his expository preaching book was awesome uh, for me. So Russell Moore Show is a great podcast. And I just just found this one today. Uh, Light and Truth is a new Desiring God podcast of just mm. John Piper sermons. So mm. if you like Piper, there you go. If you don't, don't listen to it. I don't care. <laughs> um, I got everything on here. Duck Dynasty. <laughs> but those are the two new ones that I've come across that have been helpful. I listen to here and there. So... John, you know John Christ has a podcast. Mm-mm. I don't think it's. I haven't good. seen him in a while on anything. I don't think it's that good. Um, so, all right, are we done? We're done. Corey keeps texting me, so I guess we're done. <laughs> Who wants to pray? All right, you're new. You want to pray? Sure. Thanks, big. <laughs> Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time of conversation that we've had and um, just digging a little deeper in, into what we're studying in, in the Bible. And uh, just thank you for this time of fellowship and pray that this is uh, beneficial to the listeners to help them continue to grow. And just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.